0: Seeking him still yet at this moment for him to work in some special way. Maybe it's somebody's life that you value, that you hold dear. Um, Maybe it's a. Somebody that you want rescued from death, hell and the grave. Uh, Some healing, some miracle that you're wanting or uh, maybe there's some uh, pressure or stress or hardship that you're facing and you're seeking God's grace and his strength and his way through it. Uh, some some of us uh, you you might have just you might have just experienced you, know, you you had all this pressure in front of you and you were you were scared, you were anxious, you were overwhelmed and and, and now you've now you've come through that. And you're on the other side of it and you're celebrating. Not only will I see you do it again, but I've just seen you do it again. And so um, wherever you're at right now, I invite you just to come before the Lord. Come before the Lord and, and bring the prayer that's necessary for that time. Lord, right now, we don't know where everybody's hearts and minds are at. We think about our nursery workers <laughs> right now, and we lift them up to you. Give them the uh, strength that they need, the patience that they need, the love that they need to so that even these young lives, how they're watched over and cared for here, um, they can demonstrate the love and the faithfulness and the care of Jesus, Lord. Uh, God, I pray and I lift up my brothers and my sisters to you, Lord. Lord, some of us, um, some of us might just be feeling fine about life right now. There's nothing overwhelming, uh, high or low. We're good, and Lord, sometimes just that steadiness and that stability is a good place to be. we thank you for that, Lord. Uh, for my uh, brothers and sisters who are looking for you to work. Maybe they're seeing something that they want to be done in their life or in a friend's life. Some, some, some breakthrough. Lord, we lift up that those needs to you. Maybe, maybe they're facing their own struggles, their own pressures. Maybe there's work things. Maybe there's financial things. Maybe there's family things. Lord, we, we stand with them and we, we bring them to you and we, we ask that you would, you would move, Lord. And Lord, sometimes we know you don't move the obstacles that are in front of us, but Lord, you shape us and you form us to face those opti- obstacles, to face these uh, struggles, these trials like Jesus. And so Lord, I pray that they would face them like your Son. And then, Lord, for those who of us who maybe we, we we've just experienced a season where where there was some fear and there was some doubt and there was some um, you know uh, overwhelming, seemingly overwhelming obstacles in front of us, Lord. But but we've come through, and now and now we're kind of at the other side where we're celebrating you, Lord, and we're praising you, Lord. We stand with them and we bring the the joy, we bring the the honor and the glory to you, to the one who who all honor and glory is due, Lord. And Lord, we also uh, celebrate our brothers and sisters for being faithful through those seasons, Lord. Lord, today as we come to your word, we pray and we ask that you would be with us. And that, Lord, just even as we lift up these prayers to you, we pray that you would attend to us right where we're at. Maybe we're on the... A smooth, level plain. Maybe we're in a valley. Maybe we are on the mountain, Lord. Wherever we're at, we pray that you would attend to us. Minister to us, Lord. Lord, breathe new life into us. Give us your spirit fully, Lord. So that we can go from this place, we can live like you. and Look like your son, Jesus. And we can be living witnesses of your good news. I pray these things in the mighty resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, some of y'all have received the uh, church emails, um, and uh, y'all know about uh, a dear uh, lady in our church, Miss Eileen Gilly. Uh, Miss Eileen Gilly uh, is uh, today. She's 93 years old today, which is awesome. Um, but Miss Eileen is uh, also right now um, very near her departure, very near her time to go be with our Lord. Um, the other day I was sitting by her bedside and we were talking. Um, and, and just so you all know, I'm not saying she's very near that just because she's 93. Uh, although that would probably be accurate, but but she is very near because she's determined. She said, "Hey, you know what? Um, I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to go." And, and, you know, I've talked to Mike about this, her son talked to her about it a little bit, but I think there's something so dignified about her being able to say, "I'm ready." It's not giving up. It's not giving in. It's just saying, yeah, I'm going to go with grace. So they've determined. They said, okay, if there's any major episodes, she said, you know, she signed. She said, I don't want y'all doing any, any surgeries to keep me around. I will go as the Lord calls me home. But they've removed all of her medications. She had blood pressure medications, stuff like that. And, uh, and kind of crazy, uh, now everything's staying very stable. <laughs> and so, uh, which is a good thing, but, uh, but she was experiencing like these extreme drops in her blood pressure and now it's all been stabilized. But she, um, she, she's a little bit more alert uh, then when I last saw her a few weeks ago and Friday afternoon, I was sitting by her bedside and we were talking about her just being ready. And as we were talking about her being ready, she said, Oh, what a day that will be. And then of course she's sang that great old hymn. And I sang it with her. Um, poor, poor thing, you know, she had to hear that. Right. But no, it was so, it was a really sweet moment that we had together. Um. Last time we were singing the old rugged cross together. And Friday we're singing what a day that will be. Since we've been talking about being prepared for that day. When Jesus returns. I've been thinking about Miss Eileen a lot lately. And her readiness. Not only for his return but for her departure made me think of the Apostle Paul's words in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, of course, we know that Paul says, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. Maybe I've got those out of order. Let me make sure. Ah, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth. Henceforth. I know. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto them also that love his appearing. I've been thinking these, these words that Paul wrote so long ago about Miss Eileen. You have fought a good fight you finish your course. You've kept the faith. You are ready. You're ready to go be with our Lord and to await the day, that great day, in which he returns. And so I ask today a very simple question. And it gets me thinking. We have been processing being ready for his return, but Are we ready? Have we been considering being ready if he tarries and we depart before his return? I'm sure it's not a new thought for you. It's not some novel, groundbreaking reality that we're, we're considering this this morning. But when we have a dear sister who's there. And we've been thinking about Jesus' return and studying scripture around that. I think it's also necessary to say, what what if I live until 80, 90 years old and he's still yet to return? How do I prepare myself for that? In fact, I think that 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 sometimes seems to be the, the harder question, though. Right? Whenever Jesus uh, is talking in Matthew twenty-four, he's telling his disciples, "Hey, hey, be ready! You don't know at what at what hour this is going to happen." And he uses that uh, that example of 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 the servant who's who, who's been who's been given charge over the. The household. He says, what if the one given charge over the household starts to think, hey, the, the, the good man, the, 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 the owner of the house, he's not going to come back anytime soon. He said he would be back. He hasn't come back. And, and they just kind of give up being so diligent about all their duties. then the good man of the house returns. So you get this idea that like, hey, you're going to be in the middle of some work. You got to be busy, busy, busy. Because you don't want to be caught unaware. I was thinking about this. What if Jesus would have said, hey, you know what? You're going to, there's a possibility that you're going to marry, have a family, raise that family. Uh, you're going to work You're going to tend to the work that I've, I've given to you to provide for you and your family. And you're going to live a, a long life. and you need to see your children grow. And they're going to wait and they're going to have children and you're going to know what life's all about because you have grandchildren now, right? He says, and then you're going to get a little bit too beyond your body's going to be beyond the capacity to really work. And those that you took care of are now going to have to take care of you. And then one day they're all going to gather around your bedside they're going to be singing songs and they're going to be praying and they're going to be there with a mixture of sorrow and sadness but also this sweet joy and hope they're going to say it's alright to go it's okay to go Jesus is going to meet you there they're going to watch you breathe your last breath and then one day one day long after your generations have come and gone Brown's going to shake because the trump is going to blast. And just like I, Jesus, rose from death, you too will race to new life. It's seemingly not as flashy, is it as two working in the field, one taken, the other left. Here's the deal about the Apostle Paul's life. We know he didn't get to have his family gathered around him. In fact, Paul tells us throughout Second Timothy, and just after this passage that most have abandoned him. And some of them, not for bad reason. don't get me wrong. Some of them are off doing the good work that they were called to do. Some of them have you know, been drawn away because of false teaching, some because of basic lustful desires, uh, some because that at my first trial, nobody stood with me. Now that's sad. It's a hard reality. I think Paul would have found great affinity with Jesus in that moment because Jesus' disciples fled too. They didn't stand with him when he was brought before trial. However, while, while it was not that Paul was long in the tooth, as they say, Paul was ready. Now what I find interesting is Paul tells us in Second Timothy, it tells young Timothy. His son in the ministry, one who uh, he loved like a father would love a son, one who he uh, trusted to do the work of the ministry. As he tells him that he's ready there, we know that there was a time when Paul wasn't quite sure. In Philippians chapter number 1, Paul says, I'm really torn. And what we hear Paul say in Philippians chapter number 1, uh, in compare and contrast to 2 Timothy chapter number 4, is that there was a time whenever Paul knew that his life was weigh, weighing in the balance and he knew that he, he, he says, he says, for me to depart and be with Christ, that's far better. But I also feel like I need to be here with you. It's necessary for me to be with you. And at, at that time, he's not talking about a, a readiness or preparedness in the sense of, hey, am I ready to be with Christ? As he is in 2 Timothy But he's talking a little bit more practically. And I feel like he's kind of talking a little bit more like like some of us have thought. As you're preparing for your lives. Man, if I go now, who's going to take care of this, that, and the other? so I don't think it's like a matter of his faith at all. All Paul's just going, hey, there's a work to be done. I've been called to do it. And if I leave, these Philippians, they don't have anybody to shepherd them. Now, I would imagine, though, that that gave Paul a sense of urgency to say, you know what? I need to prepare some young, some young shepherds. And what's interesting about second Timothy is the whole letter is written really charging and challenging Timothy to be ready to be diligent in the time that he's at, and to be ready to be ready. I'm not going to go through the whole letter, take the time to do that. Uh, That was a thought process, but but I think you 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 could say, hey, Paul's saying in 2 Timothy 4, I am now ready, but what he's been saying all throughout the letter is to prepare Timothy. T- prepare Timothy for the ministry, the work that God has for him. And now when we read this, so, there's going to be some things that you can, you can take out of the text and you can say, Hey, this can apply to my life. But, but I also want to caution you there. See, see, Timothy was, um, he was set up to be a, uh, a pastor and a leader in the church. So there are things, there are things that Paul tells Timothy that he wouldn't tell you. And and I think we need to know that because sometimes we read Timothy's letter and we hear Paul say like, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. And then you are somebody who's sitting there in the pew and you go to an office Monday through Friday. And then you go and you read that text and you're like, did I do it? Did I preach the word in season and out of season? And it's a guilt and a shame that you are not called to bear. And don't get me wrong. We are all to be living witnesses of the gospel. We are all ready. We are all uh, should be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. scripture is pretty clear that there are people who are called to proclaim and to expound the gospel in unique ways one thing that I love about Paul is I never find Paul whenever he writes his letters, like say to Ephesians or Colossians, I never find him whenever he gets down and he's talking about them just living their daily life. They call them the house codes. I never find Paul doing this. You know what y'all need to do? You need to be like me. You need to sell all your possessions and you need to start traveling the world and proclaiming the gospel just like I do it. You ever see Paul say that? How many missionaries have we heard say that though? I mean, I love missionaries and I love missions, but man, sometimes missionaries make you think that you're doing nothing if you haven't gone halfway across the world. They want to take the call that God's put on them and try to, uh, sometimes it's encourage and challenge, but sometimes it's just to guilt and shame, I feel like too. Make you feel less than Preachers like to do that as well. Pastors, oh, I'm called to the highest calling. Oh, but don't worry about it. I, I handle it well with grace and dignity. And I'm just like, no, I'm called to do the same work that you're called to do. To live my life as the gospel of Jesus Christ. People, man, preacher, I know you have a lot going on. No, you have a lot going on. Look at business owners in our congregation who I go, uh, they have they have to care for their business and they have to make sure that they're bringing in the the finances. They have to do this not only for their business, they have to do it for their 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 family as well. They have employees that they want to kind of keep um, keep fed and keep well, and then they're dealing with this uh, you know uh, shipping this <laughs> this big issue that we have with the uh, supply chain right now. And they're going okay. And, and to me, like, hey, that's pressure. It's not the same pressure that I have. But it's pressure that they have to deal with. And sometimes we just hope, hope, pastor, I know you're dealing. No, I'm not. I'm not dealing with more than you are. And if I am, it happens in seasons, ebbs and flows. Just like it happens in seasons and ebbs and flows with you. Whenever I started uh, at the church, my dad told me, Real plainly, he said, you know, son, he said, ministry, he said, it's a lot like this. He said, there are times whenever there's not enough hours in the day to do everything that you are called to do. And then there are times when it feels like you're staring at a wall. He said, all I can tell you to do is be diligent at all those times. And as I've grown and experienced and talked to people that I pastor, I find out y'all experience the same things. Uh, I, I, just to put a fun point on this, I tell people, and I want y'all to know this, people tend to think, well, you're a preacher and you're on the front lines. You're a pastor, you're on the front lines. I see y'all on the front lines. Seven out of ten of my coffees that I get with people are people who love Jesus and who are seeking to be more like him. And they want to talk about their life and and how that intermingles with their faith. Some of y'all go into offices, businesses, work environments each and every day where people are being people. Some of y'all are having to learn each and every day how to be patient with the, uh, the consummate uh, skeptic on your work team. The boss says something and they, did you hear what they want us to do now? And you're going, okay, I got to look like Jesus. I got to live like Jesus. Uh, I, I, I got to put up with this. And you're just like, I'm just tired of your complaining. Right, really, like just stop your mouth. Why does everything always have to be so negative? And, and, and there's days whenever you're just like, "I'm this is going to be the day." I've smiled, I've gritted and grinned for long enough, but today's going to be the day that the top's going to blow off, and my my test—I'm losing my testimony today. Y'all ever feel like that, right? It's going to happen. Today's the day, and you go, "No, Lord, I don't want to do that." with me and forbear me all that kind of along aside all that is to say when Paul's instructing Timothy you have to remember the context brother uh, Lyndall gave us a, a very good uh, rubric uh, if you will um, for uh, understanding the context who's writing who are they writing to what are they writing about Paul is writing to Timothy, his, his son in the faith, who is going to follow Paul and much of the ministry that Paul did as far as pastoring, pastoring, shepherding churches. So what Paul says to Timothy may be applicable to you, but you should also let it first be applicable to Timothy and not receive any undue guilt. Or stress, or pressure. Having said that, Paul throughout the book, throughout the letter, is telling Timothy, just giving him some nuggets here and there about being prepared to do the work that he's called to do. And really, Paul seems to be with this with with what he says in chapter number four, verses six through eight. In mind throughout the whole thing, I'm telling you, Timothy, to be diligent because the ministry is yours now. As for me, I'm about to depart, my life is about to become the offering, I'm about to depart. And I want you to know something. All the things I'm telling you to do, I feel confident. I feel confident that I've been faithful to do them myself. At the end of the day, your readiness will be rooted in whether or not you feel confident in managing or stewarding, being faithful to that which the Lord gave you. Now, some of you today would go, well, then I'm not ready. I'm not ready because I still have three young boys that I need to prepare more for life, period, practical life, and for life in the faith. And so, yeah, I'm not, I don't see that. me being ready. But however, however, I'm not guaranteed that I'm going to be here for the next 60 years. I shouldn't me- measure that down. I'm 38 now. I always think I'm 30 or 25. I'm like 60 years from now. How old would I be 60 years from now? 98? Okay, Macaulay, how about we just say, I'm not guaranteed I'm going to be here for the next 30 years. Does that sound better? So I need to live my life in a state of preparedness. Preparedness. Lord, this is what you've given me to do today. My brothers and my sisters, I would invite us that if we are going to feel confident about stewarding on that last day, that we are diligent with today. I would also invite us to only think about the course that is set before you. Whenever I look at Paul, he says, this is why I'm ready. I have finished my course. I got a little ahead of myself earlier. But everything that I said about Paul writing to Timothy And addressing Timothy about things that Timothy needed to do, you need to think what is the Spirit speaking to me about what I need to, what's my course? If your course is waking up tomorrow and being ready to be loving and patient and kind to disgruntled children. That's your course. If your course tomorrow is to go into an office and to endure a hard taskmaster who doesn't appreciate you very much, that's your course. If you are the hard taskmaster that doesn't appreciate your employees, that's not your course. He was ready because he had finished his course. And he said, I have kept the faith. You know what I don't hear Paul saying? Well, whenever I was five years old, I said a prayer. I don't doubt the mercy of God to rescue somebody whose faith was in a prayer at five years old. I do not doubt God's mercy. So do not misunderstand me. But I've said it before. We've treated that prayer. We, we've scoffed at the, the, uh, anybody who infant baptizes. We've scoffed at that. Oh, I can't believe they would think that that would save somebody. And then we did our own version of infant baptism with the salvation, the sinner's prayer. I don't know how else you get involved in a relationship with God except for starting and beginning the relationship with communication. God, I am who I am and you are who you are and I am not you and I fall short, but you are good and you are faithful and you have sent your son, Jesus, I don't, I don't know how else you start it, but by a prayer, if you will, but to say that that's what, that's what it measures up to. When Paul didn't say, because I saw the Lord on the road to Damascus that one day. Could y'all imagine that? I mean, we all like that, that Damascus road story, is awesome. And whenever somebody gives us one of those salvation testimonies, we're like, that's amazing. And it is amazing. But Paul didn't say, One day I made a declaration of faith. Paul says, I have kept the faith. And now let's think about Paul's life and what keeping the faith meant for Paul. He kept the faith whenever he went in and he established churches in the name of Jesus and then he left and then those people begin to doubt him and talk bad about him behind his back. And he continued to love them and pastor them and shepherd them. He kept the faith. He kept the faith whenever he was um, beaten uh, all the times that he was beaten and thrown into prison all the times that he was thrown into prison and jails. He kept the faith whenever he was standing there for his preliminary trial and nobody stood with him. Now, I would say Paul was able to keep the faith in these times because it was paramount to his faith. He says earlier in 2 Timothy chapter 1, down around verse number uh, 10, he talks about the gospel, the good news, being that God has given us life. To keep the faith. Because Jesus' life. Was not a fairy tale. And a bed of roses. Jesus' life. Was met. With. Adversity. And hostility. And people that he he thought the world of, turning their back on him. Jesus' life was filled with all the heartache and heartbreak that your life and my life has been filled with. And so Paul said, the faith for me and keeping the faith involves that through all of those things, through all of those agonies and anguishes, I keep remembering that the Lord is the righteous judge. Earlier on in chapter number one, he also makes this great statement of faith. I know him in whom I've believed that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him and it says in the King's English against that day. Paul's faith was that just like Jesus rose from death an unjust death and just as Jesus was given the inheritance that was promised him the throne You and I, you and I, who keep the faith are not entrusting our lives to this moment right here. We are entrusting our lives for that day. We are, as Jesus said, we are stir, storing up treasure where moth and rust cannot eat up and corrupt. But we are storing our treasure in heaven. And so Paul kept believing, kept trusting. I'm going to walk this course like Jesus. Whatever trial, adversity, heartache, anguish, agony I face, I'm going to look to Jesus and I'm going to say, how would Jesus handle this? And the good thing is, is Jesus faced a lot of it. So we have a lot of of good information about how Jesus would face it. But only if we look to the cross, we could find a rubric for how we should face it all. We should face it patiently, peaceably. We should face it with perseverance. I'm going to see it through to the end. And those three just came off the top of my head. So if you'll have any other Ps, to offer some alliteration. But my brothers and my sisters. Paul's readiness. When he sat there and he said, "What makes me ready?" He said, "Okay, let me look at my course that I was called, to run." He never says, I did it perfectly. He never says, I never stumbled. He never says, I never stopped for a breather. And some of you, you might be in a breather moment and you need to get back on the course. But he says, I did finish it. Whatever's before you each and every day, that is what God wants you to be faithful to and faithful in. And then Paul looked and he said, and I've kept my faith. I've continued following Jesus, looking like Jesus, striving to be like Christ in every situation. He never says, I did it perfectly. No flaws, because I'm Paul. Paul. And I'm the fourth member of the, uh, the Godhead. No, Paul would have probably said, whenever I failed, I confessed. And he was faithful and just to forgive me. But even that was an act of faith. And part of me keeping the faith. So my brothers and my sisters, to me, it seems Some of us are probably in that stage of life where you've been thinking about this a lot more than others. And what does it look like to be prepared? And some of us might feel a little bit like Paul in Philippians. I mean, I I want to depart and be with Jesus, but there's a lot of practical stuff that I need to take care of here. And Today, what I wanted to do is simply come in and set down, uh, set down some goals and visions for your for your golden years. Now, I wanted to come in here, and I wanted you to think: What would make you ready on that day? So that we can live each and every day in preparation. Because whether he comes or we go to him, there will be a day when what we are called to do here, the work we're called to do, the course we're called to run, will be finished. There will be a day. When the faith that we live in now will be complete. May we be ready for the day. With that I say amen. Lord, I love you and I thank you for who you are. God, I pray and I ask that you would be with us. Lord, as I process this and I think about this, I think. Lord, I just think that I want to be focused on each and every day while it is called today. And Lord, I want to be able to look like Jesus. With whatever situation is thrown at me. And here's what I know. That I have a lot of growing to do in that area. Lord, I have a lot of uh, anxieties that need to be calmed. I have a lot of uh, hasty temper that needs to be... needs to learn how to be controlled by your spirit. Lord, there are just some practical things that I know sometimes I, I put off till, till, till tomorrow. And so, Lord, I pray today. I ask that you would be with me. That you would help me to keep my eyes on the course that you have for me, not, not just the long course, but each and every day's course. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with me and that you would help me to keep the faith. Lord, I pray. I ask that you be with my brothers and my sisters. I ask that you would help us, Lord, as we receive your word. And we all will hear what you have to say to us today. How you're nurturing us, how you're nourishing us, how you're challenging us, how you're correcting us, whatever it is, Lord. And Lord, I pray that over in the next couple minutes that, Lord, we can all just grab onto at least one thing. That we hear from you, and we can talk to you about it, Lord. Lord, I pray and I ask that, uh, yeah, I just pray that you'd be with us in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. Going to invite you to continue to talk to the.